0: Okay, so you're here for some great church leadership content. The podcast is great, but there's also another piece of content you need to be enjoying each week. It is the Leading Saints email newsletter. Now I get it email newsletters feel so 2006, you know? But it isn't as old-fashioned as you might think. It's actually one of the most popular pieces of content that Leading Saints produces. Each week, I share a unique leadership thought that can only be found in the newsletter. I keep it short and sweet. Most can read it in less than five minutes. And then we share with you recent content you might have missed throwback episodes and leading saints events that happen more often than you might anticipate if you want to make sure you are on the email list simply visit leading slash 14 that's leading saints.org slash one four that will also get you 14 days access to our full library of content not available to the general public so look for leading saints in your inbox by going to leading slash 14 or click the link in the show notes So my name is Kurt Francom, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book that should be behind a PhD. They're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy is doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so we publish these, how I lead segments to share. So in this How I Lead episode, we're headed to Rogers, Arkansas, to talk with Emily Poletti, and she is a stake music coordinator. That's right, folks, uh, calling. I don't think we've covered yet, or if, if we have, it's been a while. And this is a phenomenal opportunity to learn how to enrich our worship experience with music by calling very capable people to these positions. Now Emily brings the heat because she has some great tips, just the the little nuances, you know, the little tips, tricks, things that you can do with your phone, th- how to collect information, how to get people to choir practice, how to adjust hymns so they're maybe they're easier to sing or a little more complex and more dynamic to present in a a sacrament or a stake conference or whatnot. So don't skip this, even if you are not a stake music coordinator, but this would be a good one for high counselors stake presences bishoprics to really understand how to better uh, enrich our meetings our worship meetings with music so here is my interview with emily poletti from rogers arkansas <music> poletti welcome to the leading saints podcast
1: thank you so much glad to be here
0: awesome now you are in rogers arkansas which uh you said before we hit record about 10 12 minutes from the bentonville arkansas temple
1: that's correct yeah just south and so glad that it's been dedicated now for just under two months and wow it's been a joy Mm -hmm. i
0: bet so what was the nearest temple before then
1: Uh, so we were in the Kansas city temple district. That was about a three and a half hour drive. Oh, wow.
0: So Mm -hmm. 12 minutes ain't bad, huh?
1: (laughs) No, not at all. No, that's cool.
0: (laughs) That's great. And we're going to explore uh, in this, how we lead interview this, you're calling a stake music coordinator. This talk about an unsung hero, no pen intended, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting calling that, uh, I might talk about it more later, but it's like you said, not maybe something people think about in leadership, yeah. but there is a a lot that someone in this calling can do to really influence the entire stake.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we take for granted that the uh, state conference comes around and this choir just magically appears or, you know, some yeah. musical numbers or whatever it is. But there's a yeah. ton of work that happens behind the scenes. Now, I know it's like uh typical um that, you know, they you know, the, uh, the musicians, the people who have music backgrounds, they get pigeonholed in these, in these callings. Have you felt that way throughout your, your time in as your adult life in the church?
1: Maybe a little bit. I <laughs> definitely have had, I've been a ward choir director in two different wards. I was the ward music coordinator in my ward before I became the stake music coordinator. So I definitely have spent the majority of my adult life in music mm-hmm. callings. Um, For myself, I really enjoy it and I love being able to serve that way. So it's never felt like, oh man, I'm getting another music calling just because I have a musical background. But I do kind of agree with what you're saying that it it can seem that way sometimes.
0: But I imagine at the same time, you probably enjoy it a little bit. I mean, to use your talent and education that way.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. I would. It's the best way that I could imagine using the talent and education that I've been given to serve in the church.
0: So what is your uh, your background or education with music?
1: With music, yes. So I have a music degree from BYU-Idaho. I studied vocal music there. Before that, I grew up in a really small town in southwest Wisconsin. And because it was such a small town, um, there was a lot of opportunity for me to be in band strings choir all the things because Mm. it's such a small student body that they just made it possible for students to be in every type of musical thing that you wanted to rather than some I know some bigger high schools you kind of have to choose because there's just not the bandwidth to to accommodate that but I did lots of music in high school and then obviously majored in it in college got a degree in vocal music And then once I moved here, yeah, once I moved here, I started teaching private voice lessons.
0: Oh, nice. So it's uh, a little bit part of your career as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. So uh, is there a story behind you being called to this position?
1: Yeah, Um, kind of. Yeah. It was funny because the high counselor texted me and it was a high counselor. I didn't know. Uh And, but he, he just introduced himself, you know, I'm brother. So-and-so from the high council. Can I come to your house? And I think he said extended calling.
0: And I he was, just wanna come hang out. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> but he so I'm thinking, man, I've never gotten a state calling. I don't even know this high counselor. So I'm kinda of racking my brain like, what are the callings that I like sustain people for when the high counselor comes to my ward? And the only thing that I could come up with was a seminary teacher.
0: You got to recognize
1: like here, it's all early morning, right? And I was very pregnant. And so I thought like, how am I going to do this? Like have a new baby. (laughs) That was the only thing that I could think of. I don't know why. So when he extended the call to serve as a steak music chair, I thought, oh, actually, yeah, I can do that. I think that would be fine. (laughs) I would enjoy that calling. And it seems (laughs) a lot more manageable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And mm-hmm. was it uh, was it tricky when your your baby was born? I mean, or did you have a few months of runway to to get acclimated?
1: Yeah, I had a little bit of time because um, he was born within actually just a couple days of
0: mm-hmm. the
1: high counselor coming to my house and extending the call. And I think our first state conference was about two months after that, so I did use other people during that first state conference I had just, I just kind of made assignments and had other people lead the choirs and well, I think I did lead one of the choirs, but I, I definitely asked for help. I had more delegation in that first state conference. And then by the time we got to the next state conference, I was kind of a little more acclimated into my uh, calling.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued that you you sort of got a team around you because I think they're depending on the person, you know, that's called to the stake, um, you know, music coordinator. They can either sort of put it all on their shoulders. You know, you, you're the music coordinator and the choir director, and you're gonna, you know, find people to do musical numbers or whatever. But uh, it sounds like you got a team around you. Tell me about that.
1: Yes, I do. I have a great. We call ourselves the worship team, which I stole from David Butler on your podcast when yes. you <laughs> talked about calling his board council the worship team. Yeah,
0: an episode everybody needs to listen to. It's
1: awesome. Yes, for sure. So we call ourselves the worship team. I have an organist and then I have a secretary and I have an events planner that's the way that I chose mm-hmm. to set up this this worship team and something that I learned was that this calling is kind of unique and that you can do it however you want to really setting up that committee so like you said for me I have a background in vocal music I enjoy leading choirs and so I mm-hmm. do that myself but if someone were in this calling with no vocal background, maybe they're an instrumentalist or something, a stake choir director or stake music leader that stands up there and conducts the hymns at state conference can also be called. And it says yeah. that in the handbook. So that's how we set it up. I, after a few, a few different iterations, I figured out that was what I needed. I needed a secretary to help communicate things, take notes, get the word out about events. And then I needed an event planner to help. Do all of the things like food prep and posters and just all of those other things that come along with events.
0: Yeah. And so, d- d- was that sort of your idea to surround people? I mean, or did the high counselor uh, assume that you would just be the music coordinator and, and not call any additional people? Or how did that come together?
1: When I came into the role, there was one organist and one advisor, basically assistant I'm not sure what there was one other person there was an organist and then one other person that were in the committee so the high counselor didn't really tell me what I had to do he just said this is how it stands right now you're welcome to call new people like these people have been in this role for quite a long time you could choose to release them and and call new people you can kind of set it up how you feel would be the most um, helpful for you. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Awesome. And and they just give you that autonomy and you let them know when someone needs to be called and they mm-hmm. get you the person, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I yep. love it. Anything else as far as just, uh, you, you know, starting in this calling, putting the team together, the worship team or mm-hmm. any, any other detail just sort of general about the calling that we need to mention before we get into your principles.
1: I think just, recognizing that as you said, I had the autonomy to figure out what was going to be most helpful for me. That was nice to figure that out. Cause honestly I was in this calling for a few years before I realized, no, this is what I really need. This is where my strengths are that I think I can best serve the stake with leading the choir, doing, picking the music and yeah. these other things that, have to that are very important to this calling to running events to getting the word out about state choir other things like that it's not that i i I could do them i guess but it's better to think essentially like from an essentialism point of view i just want to focus in on this and really magnify that part of the calling and then build out Mm -hmm. this worship team
0: yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's jump into your principles here. You sent me a good list of four principles we'll go through. And the first one being music is a unifying force. Unpack that one for us.
1: Sure. So I actually brought my hymn book because. Oh, because nice. I wanted to. For those watching I, on YouTube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just wanted to start with the idea that music teaches doctrine. And one of my favorite things is in the hymn book. I don't know if the common Latter-day Saint would know this, but in the preface to the hymn book, it says a lot of things. But my favorite part is some of the greatest sermons are preached by the singing of hymns. Hymns move us to repentance and good works, build testimony in faith, comfort the weary, console the mourning, and inspire us to endure to the end.
0: So Awesome.
1: Yeah. I think music brings us together when we're singing as a congregation, because we're all doing this unifying thing, singing, hopefully feeling the spirit while we're singing these hymns that really do teach us doctrine, can comfort our souls, call us to repentance, all of those things that are in that first presidency preface. So when we are singing together, we're also testifying together, we're worshiping together. And I think that's something that can be really powerful when it's intentional.
0: Yeah. I think oftentimes, you know, just from an administrative standpoint, like maybe leaders putting together meetings or state conferences, right? It's easy to kind of see the music as sort of a time feeler or, you know, let's stretch our legs or, you know, let's just, uh, we've listened to people so long talk, let's, let's all sing together, right? It sort of breaks up a little bit, which is which is true, but it's that mm-hmm. secondary tertiary to, to the real reason of, of worship. And I just think of the, you know, you talk about your worship team, then the evangelical tradition, uh, you know, when they say it's time for worship, they mean we're going to sing, you know, songs or, or, you know, spiritual worship music. And that's how we are literally going to worship God, uh, rather mm-hmm. than just seeing or stretch our legs. And so to mm-hmm. really see in that, that framing is, is powerful and, and empowering for so you know, someone in these roles.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think just having that mindset shift because when we come to sacrament meetings, something that I've talked to our stake presidency about is you come to sacrament meeting and you're gonna participate by partaking of the sacrament. That's something you're gonna do. You participate in that. But the other thing you're yeah. gonna do is sing. The other things are kind of done at you. People teach you with talks, um, you listen to prayers and that can also be unifying, but the thing that you're doing, you're sitting there and you're singing usually at least three, sometimes four hymns in a sacrament meeting. And the hope would be that it is a worship full time for everybody. And I think, like you said, just even thinking about that as I'm coming here to worship through the singing of hymns can really make a difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, here's a, Here's a left turn, which I'm good at uh, in these interviews, but I'm and we can come back to your, your outline. I'm just curious of the, you talk about, you know, in a sacrament, you may sing, you know, th- three or four hymns. Uh, you know, the intermediate hymn, I don't think a lot of people know this, but the church sort of really de-emphasized the intermediate hymn a few years ago, like in the handbook and, and whatnot. It's still like, and, and now it's, it's I, if I remember right, in the handbook, it's a very optional thing. Not your opinion necessarily on the intermediate hymn, but like, how can we use music? Because most bishoprics are like, okay, after the first speaker, we're going to sing an inter- intermediate hymn. It's just a default position, right? Hmm. So how, how could a bishopric uh, better look at music or using it? I mean, should they default to the intermediate hymn or are there some other things to, to be done?
1: I think with music, there can build in these really strong traditions that can be good or can be not so good. So, I would say if a bishopric is just defaulting to, we need an intermediate hymn because we need an intermediate hymn, Hmm. it might not be the right thing. I think that sometimes maybe you do need more time for your speakers or you want to have an extra youth speaker or something like that. And I would say, even though I'm very passionate about music, that's okay if you need to get rid of the intermediate hymn. Yeah. But I think perhaps creating the meaning to say, okay, we're doing this topic. Is there a hymn that would really edify the topic that we're talking, that we're going to be discussing, the speakers going to be talking about today? Is there a hymn or musical number that would really help people feel the message that these speakers are going to talk to us about today? And if so, then that's a great way to use music. But like you said, if it's just, Oh, we got to check the box or we'll just do one verse because we don't have enough time. Then I'd say rethink it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. Let's go back to music as a unifying force. How else uh, should we consider music as a unifying force?
1: Yes. So I thought it was very interesting that when we switched to two hour church, one of the only things that stayed the same in our meeting block I guess was the amount of time that was given to the primary in singing time they hmm. had about 25 minutes before they still have about 25 minutes now right yeah that's true yeah and so I think that by teaching children these this doctrine through primary songs that they will carry for their entire lives honest uh, you know honestly in a lot of cases even this last general conference, Elder Godoy talked about getting into a taxi cab with someone who hadn't been to church in 25 years and yet could sing a part of I'm a Child of God and still feel the power of that song all of that time later. So with music being a unifying force, I think for those with small children, or even if you don't have small children, singing together primary hymns primary songs, having hymns in your home, that can unify families and it can unify congregations as they really know the songs and can feel the importance of the doctrine taught there.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And and I'm just thinking my own three-year-old, she's very delayed, especially in speech, but uh, we've noticed her singing more than than she, like she tries to sing more than she tries to talk. And so mm-hmm. uh, we're very encouraged by that, you know? And so we're like infusing her with more and more songs and it's powerful.
1: Yes, that's wonderful.
0: All right. Anything else about uh, unifying the power of uh, music unifying before we move on?
1: Um, I think the only last thing I was going to say with this is I mentioned before, just being careful about traditions. And in our stake, we started a new tradition, which I think is good for right now and might not be the right thing in a few years from now. But for right now, we're doing this multicultural music night because there are a lot of different languages and cultures that are represented in our stake. And so members can present a song from their native culture, often in their language. We've had missionary, people that served foreign language missions sing a song from their mission. And that's been the right thing to unify our stake right now. So there might be ways that was an idea that my SIG president had to do this multicultural music night. And I loved it. And I think it's been for the purpose of unifying us. It's been absolutely
0: right. Nice. So was that like in the chapel type of thing and different, uh, different people would play or how did it work?
1: Yeah. So we've done it twice now and it is in the gym on the stage. So we
0: actually have
1: lighting and mics and it's more of a, secular, like people could do more secular songs or a dance uh-huh. number or something like that. It's, it's that is how we're doing it.
0: Yeah, oh, I love that. That's cool. All right, should we move on to meticulous preparation? is yeah. uh, you you found that uh, there's a lot of prep that goes into this calling.
1: Yes, <laughs> there is a lot of prep with any type of event planning, which a lot of this calling turns out to be a lot of event planning. So, When I came into this calling, I realized that one of my visions was to have a state choir where people felt like they could come and participate and they would be needed. And you didn't have to have some sort of musical level of training to come. And to make that happen, and I I also wanted to have it not be a large time commitment. I wanted to have maybe two hours of practice. maybe two and a half three hours not beyond that so to do that I learned that if myself and my worship team could prepare really well then these choirs could come together and have a successful put together a musical number that was going to be very well done without a lot of time so some of the things that we did where we started making practice tracks. So I would have my organist pre record all of the instrument, like the accompaniment, mm-hmm. and we would make recordings of each person's part. So the soprano part, oh, nice. part, tenor part, yeah. So that then we can email it out and say, Here's your part, please practice at home. So that people are coming already familiar with the music. Hmm. So That
0: And that's just like an MP3 file or how do you send them the... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: I just put it all into Google Drive and then the Google Drive folder. Yeah. That's cool. I did that to help people prepare. And then with that, I learned some people were using that every day. They were at home trying to listen to it every day to learn their part. But some people didn't. They did it once or not at all. And they felt like they were okay but I liked that giving people the option to practice as much Mm -hmm. as they wanted to before they came. So preparing in that way, we did that. We started having a really effective check-in process. So this, with the preparation, I learned that a lot of time was being wasted as people came in the door and have to get their binders and then they're talking to other people, which is great. But there was just a lot of wasted time Then you try to get everyone together. And when I'm only trying to do this in two to three hours, it was, it was too much time. Yeah, wasted. So that's
0: precious time.
1: Yes. <laughs> so we had a, again, this was with my secretary. She set up like a really effective um, check-in where people would come in, they would scan this QR code to get themselves signed in. We'd give them their binder and then she would say, okay, you're, The men are going down to that room. The women are going down to this room. We would start split up Hmm. so that we would have a little bit of time, just the women to learn their part, just the men to learn their part right at the beginning. And then we would come together for the last half hour, usually. So just thinking through that, okay, how can we save on time? If we need to break up into groups, let's just break up to groups in the beginning. Let's not come together and then come apart and then come back together or something like that. Uh, I would also call section leaders like um man and a woman okay you here's the music early please learn your part so that you can teach these specific parts of the hymn to this group in that 20 to 25 minutes
0: oh, wow. so all of
1: this all of these things just I would sit there and think through the rehearsal I would think okay we're only going to be there for an hour when people come in how are we going to use that time what are, what is anything that we can cut out of this process so that we can actually sing together and be ready yeah. to sing together and create a really nice musical number.
0: Yeah. It's good. So, so you break them up. Cause you know, I'm just thinking my time in different choirs is, you know, maybe the sopranos have a tough section. And so the choir director works with them for a few minutes while everybody else just sort of sits there. Right. So just mm-hmm. splitting them up and mm-hmm. they can focus on that and then come back together, mm-hmm. you know, ready to go.
1: Yes. Yes. And I would tell my section leaders too okay, this is a really hard part for the men, this one verse or one session. Please just do that for 20 minutes. Maybe you can do this other part, but just really focus in on that one part. And then like you said, we're not wasting time just sitting and waiting to work
0: with the other group. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anything else with the meticulous preparation?
1: One thing I would say is as much as I do think it's important to prepare, you don't have to overthink the music that you are going to prepare using the hymn book is great. You don't have to find some sort of fancy arrangement. that's going to wow your congregation. Just going straight to the hymn book to prepare is something that I've found to be really powerful. And what I will do is sometimes just make small adjustments. Okay. The women are going to sing the first verse or and then the men are going to come in on the chorus. Or we're going to drop out the accompaniment here, no piano, sing a cappella for this one verse. Things like that are you're taking the time to prepare, and I get the music ready and write, um, type in those things on the side of the of the hymn, um, so that everyone is able to easily follow along. But you don't have to overthink. Oh, it has to be some grand arrangement every single time we're coming to state conference.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just take what, you know, the arrangement in the hymn books and, and go with that, right? Yeah. And just mix it up mm-hmm. a little bit. So yeah. that's cool. All right, let's go to the next principle, which is inspire saints to use their talents.
1: Yes. I heard a really cool story from my high counselor recently, actually. He was in a fireside with the piano guys and Stephen Sharp Nelson, who is the chalice of the piano guys, told this group of youth and adults I know that I'm not the best cellist in the world, but I know that I have something to offer. And a lot of people would look at Stephen Sharp Nelson and say, well, you are a professional cellist. You're pretty good, pretty <laughs> pretty talented, right? But I think that's yeah. the message that I really strive when we go to, when we do a stake training to tell those in, especially in the word music calling. Maybe you feel like, oh, I don't have, degree in piano performance or I, I only took piano lessons for a little bit when I was a kid and now I'm the primary pianist or something like that but you have something to offer if you desire to to serve and to share your talents so what I would say is for those maybe in a music calling where perhaps you're choosing music doing word choir or something like that, or even state choir don't feel like you have to have some level of training, or you have to arrive at some level of musicianship to really be able to create a meaningful sacrament meaning or stake conference with the music. Just trust that the things that are meaningful to you will be meaningful to the congregation.
0: Yeah. And that really sort of takes the, the pressure off because I know I, I think other people, there's some stakes... <laughs> who just have the talent there. And so it can feel overwhelming. Like now I'm in this other stake and I'm supposed to recreate the same thing, but just take what you have and, and encourage people to offer their their talents, right? No matter how perfect they are. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Cool. Anything else in relation to inspiring others to use their, their music talents?
1: I would say, please involve the youth as much as you can. I had a state choir, it was our first one coming out of COVID where we could have a full choir again. Hmm. And so as a worship team, we thought let's let's blow this thing out. Let's get as many people as we can. So we started <laughs> individually texting people. We were asking all the music teachers, like, is there anybody in your ward we could invite? And we got 60 people to come to this state choir, which for my sake, that was probably double what we'd ever had before.
0: Hmm.
1: But the interesting thing was, We texted adults and we said that youth were invited, but we had so many youth that came just, it seemed like kind of on their own. They were telling their friends or something happened because there were tons and tons of youth. And so they, because they were so strong, the next day conference, we said, we're going to have them sing on their own. And they did the entire Sunday morning. They sang a prelude. Mm -hmm. And then during the meeting for Sunday morning, it was just a youth choir. And again, I think there were like 40 of them. It was huge. So wow. using the youth as much as you can, if if it's possible in your area, can be really powerful. They are, they're on fire. They want to serve. They want to contribute and be involved. And the other thing I would say about youth is please use them in your wards as much as you can. Have them music leader for the congregation Another thing I've seen wards do is have youth play, just start with playing prelude in sacrament meeting to practice playing for a congregation, but not having the stress of Hmm. keeping everybody on when you're singing congregationally, it's harder to mess up and then get back on. So having the youth participate in whatever way you can I think sets them up to have confidence as they go into their adult life, or maybe into missionary service, that they actually can serve musically.
0: Yeah, I love the prelude suggestion. I mean, because you're right, they're uh, they're in front of people, but it's a lot less stress, you know. I'd imagine. So, great yeah. tip, awesome.
1: One other thought I had just with prelude, I actually think that that can be a low stress opportunity, not just to have. Well, like for a performance type of, I don't know if I want to say performance, but I, there was a ward that told me they would have special prelude numbers leading up to Christmas. So for four weeks leading up to Christmas, they would have basically like a full musical number as prelude right before a sacrament meeting started. And I thought that was just a great idea because it helps set the tone as you're going into sacrament meeting that we're we need to be reverent and we're going into this meeting but also again this the low stress for that performer that it's not right in the middle of the meeting and everyone's staring at me it's we're getting ready to go and that can be a really great way to help people use their talents and not be so nervous to do that. We actually started doing that with state conference as well putting an instrumental tra- prelude number before the piano would play for you know, 10 minutes and then we'd have an instrumental prelude right before you're going into the meeting. And it really helps everyone to just be reverent, yeah. listen in, think about the meeting that we're about to start and hopefully be ready for the spirit to teach.
0: So true. Like don't sleep on that the prelude musical numbers. In my opinion, I'd always call it general conference style, you know, cuz they always have a prelude. There's the choir, you know, that the camera that uh, you see Temple Square and the prelude, they're already singing the prelude, you know, yeah. because it does set the tone and mm-hmm. you know, the typical sacrament, you know, the bishopric member sort of shuffles up to the lectern and welcomes everybody, but to like have a musical number that really focuses everybody and uh, mm-hmm. and it really makes gives you more reason to get there on time to to hear some remarkable music yeah
1: yes that was what a member of this ward that was doing that told me she said everyone's coming on time and we're we're ready for soccer meeting when it starts because we've all just had this nice musical number so yeah it's 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 really good
0: love it all right should we move on to uh, the technology you use yes
1: I've learned that technology is a great tool in any calling even with music that's
0: right yep
1: yes The first thing I already kind of mentioned, one of the things that we did was just using a Google form for the stake choir to sign in, but we had a QR code for them just to sign. So, and we also, I think we had a couple of extra devices lying around if someone didn't know how to use a QR code, but just having them sign in on a Google form right away, I learned was so much better than having some random piece of paper that gets floated around and you never know where it ends up. And then as we were going into the temple, so our temple was dedicated just two months ago and I was helping serve with the um, open house and dedication music committee. And they would ask me, Oh, well, who are some people who could do these different musical things? And I thought, Oh, well, I actually have that ready to go in my Google form thing that we had already already um documented for stake choir so using technology to just make your life easier documentation is a very good idea
0: <laughs> yeah so this is a qr code like uh when they show up to choir practice or when you're just passing around the stake or when do you use it in, at choir practice
1: for this particular yes i just used it for choir practice they would walk in the door okay. we had a table and a few different qr codes posted and said can you please scan this and then sign yourself in. And then once they were signed in, then we could hand them their binder and say, all right, there's where you go to practice. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that way you kind of have, you keep tabs on who has come to choir practice and who needs mm-hmm. to get the announcement or the text blast or whatever. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Uh, yeah, I see. What word okay.
1: they're from, if they're a youth, all of that kind of stuff.
0: Nice. Love it. Love it.
1: Mm-hmm. What else? The other big I've learned with technology is using the markups tool, I think is what it's called. Yeah. So just in the iPad or iPhone markups tool, I learned that I can take music and then very easily edit it. Kind of like those hymn adjustments I was talking about. And then it's very clear for the musicians to read. So if I'm going to take a hymn and say, we want men only this verse, women only that verse, just taking the PDF from the church website, going over to, I did it on my iPad, the, the markup tool on the iPad, and then being able to add text and say, men only here, or even I, the other thing that I found really helpful is covering up the verses that you're not singing for. So mm. if you say, okay, verse one is all women. So cover up the text for the other verses. And then, so instead of just looking at, like you normally do a hymn, there's all four verses. You're going to be flipping pages, but you see, okay, women only here. And then you turn the page. Okay, men only here. We're all coming back together. That use of technology, going back to meticulous preparation has made it so much easier to have a really Mm -hmm. constructive, efficient state choir. Rehearsal, because people, yeah. you don't have to waste any time saying, "Oh, that's actually the men singing there." Oh, please write this in, or I forgot to yeah. do that. Whatever might happen.
0: So you write it on uh, using that markup tool, and mm-hmm. then you print it out with the the changes. Is that yeah. The idea. So, yep. Okay. Then
1: I just print it out and make copies, put them in the binders, so that well, everyone has it. And nice. It's easy to read. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Love it. All right. Uh, so I'm curious about this iPhone shortcut. Tell me about this.
1: Yeah. So the iPhone shortcut, which my husband did have to teach me about, I'm not super good at it. But the iPhone shortcut has a way that you can program. You can basically have the ability to text a large group of people, in, but individually, or okay. so,
0: Like mass text type thing.
1: Kind of but you're not making it into a group text so it is a mass text oh, okay in that you're texting a lot of people but okay. you don't have to have some big group
0: text <laughs> and if they reply it doesn't go to everybody in the group
1: yes exactly <laughs> oh wow that's heaven
0: sent emily this yeah. is groundbreaking so do tell. I
1: <laughs> yeah maybe we should set up it to have my husband do a tutorial or something but basically yeah. so in <laughs> in this shortcuts app it again this takes a little bit of time to set it up but you save so much time after it's set up that it's worth it. You have to add in the notes section. And again, this is an iPhone thing in the notes section of the contact. So you say like stake choir. And then in the shortcut, you can say text everybody with the, with that says stake choir in the notes part of the contact.
0: Ah.
1: So I learned that I could text, about 50 people in like two minutes or less because yeah. it just would go. And I would say reminder practice tonight or reminder, bring your binders, whatever we need to get out the information about.
0: Nice. We'll mm-hmm. see if we can find a, um, a, a tutorial. I'm sure it's on YouTube already. So sure uh, we'll put are. that in the show notes because uh, yeah. that's, man, what that's handy. Mm-hmm. Again, it leaves us Android users out, but, Hey, you know mm-hmm. you can take an extra time to text us. So, yes. <laughs> all right. What anything else with uh, technology worth be that would be worth mentioning before we we wrap up?
1: Another thing I learned is it's not in the Sacred Music app, but on the church website, the music part of the website, you can change the key of a hymn. Oh wow! Which is very helpful if if people are listening and don't exactly know what I'm saying every hymn will be in a key, meaning does it have one flat or two sharps or something like that? Oh, okay. Yes. And so what that means is sometimes the the way that the hymn is written, it might be very high for like the soprano part might be a really high melody. And I learned, okay, I'm going to have this song be presented in my ward. This has a really high melody here for these sopranos. I'm just going to change the key so it's not as high. And then it sounds great (laughs) because it's not pushing out of people's comfortable singing range. So I feel like that is something possibly underutilized. Once I figured out that that was a very easy thing to do, I use it a lot. Just bump down the key a little bit. You do need to check with your accompanist, whoever's going to play to make sure it's not going to be too hard if it gets into five sharps or six flats yeah. or something like that. <laughs> but it, it's really easy to just bump it down. And then, like I said, it's not this strain on people's voices to try to sing a hymn that's really high.
0: Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, And that's just in the general, the music site on churchofjesuschrist.org.
1: Right. yeah so if you go onto there and you say you want to look up a hymn in the hymn player there's just a little option if you want to there you go
0: key. and then you print it out it since mm-hmm. it's not the same key as the hymn book right
1: exactly yeah so then i would print it out make copies so that people are not bringing up their regular hymn book they're gonna yes use the one that i've made for them
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i would imagine. would uh, I mean that's just one more way to sort of mix it up, right? With uh, the the word choir, is to make it sound a little different. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. change the key, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't take cool. much. And honestly, the singers are probably not going. They're not going to have to think about it really. They already know mm-hmm. the melody. But like you said, you've kind of you've mixed it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's great. Very mm-hmm. cool. Any other technology uh, hacks do we want to use?
1: Another thing that I hope is not underutilized but might be is the sacred music app. It has so much to offer. It's mm-hmm. very easy to create playlists. I've done that for sometimes when we're gonna have stake choir and I wanna have it be kind of like a fun a fun event. We'll just make a playlist in there of some of the contemporary music that the like the hymn arrangements that are more contemporary. Mm-hmm. And have that as like our prelude music playing in the hallway as people come in and they're signing in. So the sacred music app, like I said, you can create playlists. You can, it just has so much new music that's coming out. It feels like at a very regular basis. And I've been amazed at how much it's mostly the, the new music that I'm seeing at least pop up at the top of the, uh, like, where it says new and featured, I guess, is mostly contemporary music that they're putting out for the youth, but it's great music. It's really well done. It's recorded professionally. And I hope people know about those songs. Also the songs of devotion is another album that they put out at least a year ago. That's contemporary hymn arrangements, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And those, those, um, that music can just be used to inspire people to help people have something to listen to that is that is spiritual, that is worshipful, and is also not a hymn from the hymnbook.
0: yeah, all right. I gotta check out the sacred music app. so yes. I have never downloaded it. <laughs> There's so many it seems like the church has more apps than most people realize, even more resources on the webpage, you know, mm-hmm. for specific callings that many don't even delve into because i don't know there's just a lot to consider you're reading the handbook you're trying to you know do your calling and so there's a lot there so yeah well emily this has been man i just love these interviews they just have these little nuances in them that uh, could be life changing like that you know how to text multiple people with an iphone and keep <laughs> them out of a group text yes. you know so just these little things that really make a difference and uh it will inspire somebody who's walking into this calling and doesn't have a clue where to start or how to make it easier or how to motivate people and, and get them to choir practice. Cause that can be difficult, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, last question I have for you, Emily, is as you reflect on your time as a stake music coordinator and the leader of the worship team, <laughs> how, uh, how is, how is your time as a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ?
1: So I actually had, The opportunity, not necessarily directly connected with this calling, but I was asked as an assignment to lead one of the choirs for the Bentonville Temple dedication. And going into that, I was very nervous. I was feeling kind of discouraged. And I told one of my ministering sisters that I was feeling that way. And she said, well, you're not doing this for anybody else. You're just doing this for the Lord and you can never disappoint him. And that idea, in any type of leadership, that you're not doing this to be seen by anybody else. You're not doing this in a stake music calling to wow people with your stake choir. You're just doing this for the Lord. And since that message has sunk into my heart, I've realized I can follow him and he's not going to be disappointed and I can carry that into my leadership and that will make my impact much greater.
0: And that concludes this How I Lead see if we can line them up. So again, go to leading slash contact. And there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future how I lead segment on the leading saints podcast. And remember to get on the email newsletter list, simply go to leading slash 14.